Welcome to the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Hometown Ticketing is proud to be the exclusive sponsor of the UIAAA Connection Podcast and to provide schools nationwide with the best options for digital ticketing for their events. Visit their website at hometownticketing.com to learn how they can make digital ticketing possible and simple at your school. Thank you to Hometown Ticketing for their exclusive sponsorship of the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the UIAAA Connection. I'm your host, Mark Hutch Hunter. Today, we're pleased to have with us the Salt Lake School District Athletic Director, Missy Mackie Widers, CAA. Welcome to the podcast, Missy. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be invited. Well, let's have you start by sharing with our audience where you grew up, where you went to college, your first job, those types of things. Well, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, over in Holiday. Um, just We just sold my parents' house after 65 years because they both had passed away. So went to Skyline High School and um, I went to the University of Utah and I went and then finished it. I, I, my bachelor's, one of my bachelor's at Weber State. Um, went to Prescott College to get my um, teaching certification and then the University of Phoenix, Phoenix to get my admin um, degree and uh, so I could become an administrator. And then um, that, I went to Skyline High School and of course um, athletics back in, in the 70s were, were not really big for women back then. So there were very few things for us to pick from. So if you don't mind my asking, when did you graduate from Skyline? 1974. 74. So, so football was still king at Skyline and everything oh. else, including, including women's sports, just kind of paled in comparison. Exactly. Exactly. So in, in, in that time, there, they didn't have softball for women uh, in, in the high schools that, around that time. At least our, we weren't up on at Skyline. And um, I love to play softball. So the, you know, my church had softball uh, that we were able to play. And that's what kept me interested in sports and going to church was being able to have to play so I could play softball. Um, that's where I ended up going up to the University of Utah. And I played two years of um, uh, up there at the U on the softball team. And uh, back in 74, 75 and then 75 through 76. Was Norma there then? Was she the coach? Yeah. No, she wasn't the coach then. She had just, she had just left. It was Sandy Beveridge then. Oh, Sandy. So uh, I had no idea. Sandy Beveridge was yeah. my advisor when I was at the U. I had no idea that she had, had taken over as the softball coach. Small world. There you go. Yep. And so tell us how then you got involved. I want to talk more a little bit later on about the title nine thing but tell us so you're at the u um, you wound up at phoenix to get your administrator's degree how does how did you get into coaching and then on to being an athletic administrator well i got into coaching because i loved athletics and um uh so i started through my church um you know being a, a coach for volleyball basketball softball and then as it became more recreational, I also played um, rec ball, softball out at uh, the Miller Park um, on 13th. And yeah. uh, so 
then I, so I helped coach. Then my children came along and uh, their dad was an athletic. So I coached both my daughters through softball and ba- basketball. And then my son through tr- uh, soccer and basketball until he, he was embarrassed of having his mother coaching him. And so that's how I got started. And, and then I went into teaching. I do have an accounting degree. And um, it was actually Janet Thurgood. Do you remember Janet? I remember Jan very well. So she was one of my great mentors along with Sandy Beveridge. Uh, She was the assistant coach also for us for up at the U uh, for softball. And Janet, I ran into her in the 80s and she said, why did you never finish your PE degree? And I looked at her and I gave her my reasons. And she says, that's not good enough. We'll see you next quarter. So I left and went back. I had, I had my own accounting practice. And so I went back to the U and um, up to Weber State and finished my PE degree and uh, left the county behind me so that I could get back into sports. It's interesting that you mentioned, Jen. I will just share this as a sidelight. The, one of the great things I remember Jan for was she so it's the second day of class and this is at college now and there's a bunch of us in her class she knew all of our names and i remember once i began teaching high school we had a name quiz at the end of the first week for everybody in my class and including me and we would go over because i i wanted to make sure that well it was mostly for me because i need to make sure that i could look at a kid and, and remember what their name was right but i thought it was so important that that students refer to themselves by their first names rather than hey you or hey what's I the agree. answer type of a thing and it's it's uh it's strange you bring up uh, someone from my past but i i've that's one thing that i always remember from her so that was a great thing so you mentioned uh sandy you mentioned jan any other mentors or parents uh that you want to mention I, that uh, bosses that may have inspired you along the way yes my grandmother uh she, my mom's mother, she was an awesome mentor to me. She played as uh, the catcher for the Shamrocks mm-hmm. and until she uh, got pregnant with my mother and, uh, and then she ended up giving up ball. But all that time through all those years, um, she inspired me to keep playing. And that's where she, I, I got the love for softball was because we play it out in her yard and grandma was always right there with us. And my mom was a great athlete, even though she'd had polio from five up to 16 years old when she finally got out of her, um, her orthopedic shoes. Mom had a leg that was shorter than the other one because of her polio, but because of what my grandmother did for her to get her through all those years in um, helping her with her therapy, um, mom had had three hole in ones. Um, she'd bowled the 300. She was a great bowler. She bowled for 50 years. Um, I used to play tennis with her. She and I used to bowl on, um, with the, uh, the women's bowling uh, leagues for nationals and stuff. And, um, so it, between my mom and my grandma, they were the ones who encouraged me. Plus I had a, a great grandmother who was very athletic and uh, refused, and she was also a great woman for women's rights. She was one of the first women to pick it for U- women's rights in Utah. So I had some strong women in my life. Well, so for some of our younger viewers, when you say the Shamrocks, I know who they are, but I, I need you to just to expand on that and to explain <laughs> what that is, because I would think anybody who's 
under the age of 45 has no idea what you're talking about. And well, that was one of the first women's league uh, baseball play uh, softball during the time of uh, the wars and when all the men were away. And so a league of your own, I watch that over and over again and cry every time when I see that last scene of them walking in because I picture my grandmother um, walking in and being able to see her picture as, as one of the uh, women who were playing on a, like a league of your own, of their own. Very good. Let me ask you this, Missy, what is, what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? I think my biggest failure was, I was thinking about that question because I've had a lot, but I think one of them was, is that I stopped playing softball after two years at the U. Um, this goes into Title IX, um, so maybe we could talk about it right now. And that is, is that um, at the time I started playing for the U, we only had one um, scholarship for the whole department of, of PE. And um, the men, of course, had tons. Well, Title IX came, was starting into play and they took away our, um, they added more sports to us and gave us more scholarships mm -hmm. and more and took away men's sports that um, from up at the U. I remember when wrestling was taken away and that mm -hmm. really hurt. Um, and so I think that um, my failure was is that I, I became intimidated by a lot of the girls that they were recruiting. They were great softball players. And so I, what I learned from it is that I needed to be put in, put more work into it and be less afraid of the competition that was coming. And so after that, I was always kicked myself for not playing, continue playing and, um, and took the easy way out. And since then, um, I, I learned not to give up anymore after that. You know, I needed to keep putting in the work. And I think that's where I keep, I keep pushing myself. Don't give up so easily. Very good. Let me ask you, uh, while we're on that topic, uh, what were some of the teammates you had? Because I'll bet that they possibly might be mutual acquaintances. Uh, Jan Vigas, uh -huh. uh, Laura, start with the P page. Okay. Did Becky Anderson play with you? Yeah, was she well, after you? Actually, she was after me. Becky actually went to high school and junior high with me. I knew Becky very well from junior high and high school. So okay. when I saw her down at the play down at uh, Utah High School Association, that was exciting you know, because I was glad to see Becky where she and I both took a lot of the similar paths. Well, as you know, she was the uh, first woman hired by the UHSAA. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and so I think that uh, it makes me excited when I see um, the women coming in and being um, used more um, in and being leaders in, in our sports. When, when I was in high school, we didn't have a track team. Uh, women's track wasn't that big. And so do you remember Coach Craig Poole? Oh, yes. So he taught over at Skyline and he was the track coach there. And before I would, he went to BYU then? Right before he went to BYU. Okay dating a guy that used to be on his team. And so I started running track with this boyfriend, an old boyfriend. And so I asked Craig, I said, we need to hold a women's track meet. So he, he arranged for us. I don't know if it, who it was through, but we were able to have the Valley high schools come over to skyline. And we were able to host a one day track meet for women and for all the girls in the Valley with all the high schools that wanted to participate. 
And it was really fun because it was only a one day track meet, but at least it was a start for us in being able to open up a lot of doors, um, especially in, in women's sports and being able to bring more in as Title IX came in and opening up those areas for, for girls. Well, let me follow up then, uh, because one of the things I want to talk about later, and we'll talk about it right now, everyone knows that the 50th anniversary of Title IX is coming up next year in a well, half a year or so. Mm-hmm. And you've talked a little bit about how it's affected you, but you were really, I don't know if, if pioneer is the, the right word, but so it came in in, in 72 and by 75, 76, you're playing at the mm-hmm. university. So you're really that first generation of females that saw at least the start of Title IX. Yeah. Because I think when you talk to the young girls now, they played basketball, they played soccer, they played softball their whole life. It's just always been there for them. Mm-hmm. They've not known what it's like to have, to not have it. So talk about and reflect on how, uh, how that's affected you in some other ways. Well, again, my great grandmother was one of the first women to pick up for women's rights here in Utah. So my, the women in my family have been pretty strong. My great grandmother went to college when they wouldn't let women go to college that were married and she had 10 children. She went under her maiden name, got a teaching degree. And back then it was only a couple of years. She invited her coach or her, um, her professors to down to her house. And she looked and had all 10 children there. And she said to him, now you tell me a married woman can't go to go to college. So I've always kind of used that. And as we, she was very strong and very determined that, that the women in, in our family were, were strong and that we could do anything that we set out to do. So with Title IX, um, having lived through it and seeing what the doors that it opened made me really excited for the time that I would have had children, when I'd have children later, to be able to see that my daughters could do exactly what some of the stuff I couldn't do. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have girls basketball. We didn't have, and like I said, girls track. We didn't have... Um, uh, I mean, we were, there was just certain sports that you could play volleyball, tennis, ski, you know, um, but now look at it. We've got girls wrestling that's involved. Uh, we, you've been involved with the, the semi-pro girls football team, you know, I mean, look mm-hmm. where, what it's brought. It's taken 50 years to get us where we are now, which to me is sad in a lot of ways, but I'm glad to see that my daughters did not have to go through the same types of roadblocks that I had to because of Title IX uh, not being in play until um, until my second year in college there. Excellent. Let me ask you this. You're one of the few people I know that has been a building athletic administrator and also a district athletic administrator. So speak to our audience, both here in Utah and nationally, about because I think most of them are building ADs, but what are some of the big differences between a district athletic director and a, and a building athletic director? I was talking to our, my ADs and I just had our uh, professional development. And I think one of the biggest differences is I don't have to go to the games every Friday night and I'm not an event coordinator anymore. Mm. And um, now I'm, a, I'm a, a fireman. I get to put out a lot of the fires that come around. Um, I miss the kids. I miss because now over at Highland, all the, I've been four years in my position. 
all my kids have graduated. So when I go to a game or that I'm that nobody knows me, you know, they don't yeah. know who. Um, so I think that being involved as a building AD um, was awesome. And, but you are an event coordinator, you're putting everything together, but you also get to still work with all of the kids and you become very familiar with them because of our registrar, our athlete and having to try to get some of our kids through for uh, grades, you know, when we're trying to put them through eligibility, trying to get transfers through because you know what's going to, that will help the student. You know, it, that's the emotional social learning part that we as educators have that we need. To, you can see that through with kids. Um, and so I do miss a lot of that. So my, now as a district administrator, and I, I think I'm the only female district a, 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 AD in Utah, if I'm correct. I, I'm trying to think of the district ADs that I know, and I, I'm pretty sure that is correct. Yeah. And so I feel really good about that because it op it's opened up some door. I'm hoping it opens up more and more doors, you know, for the ADs behind me. Um, but as being an admin in, in it, it means more paperwork that way district wise. Um, and I, but I, and I, but I don't work straight with the kids, but I do work with the athletic, um, administrators at the ADs and I work with the coaches. And so I've been able to have a little bit more one-on-one um, -on -one with the coaches, of the whole district. So one thing that I really like is that um, I get all the district and with all the coaches and with all, with all three schools and, and I'm able to work with all of them. We had a meeting this morning with all of our coaches and went over, you know, district policies and, and, and title nine and some of the issues that we have. And, um, so that's fun because I'm still doing educate, educating them, but I surely do miss the kids and, you know, being involved with them and being able to celebrate with them at the end of a football game, because uh, I knew them and I knew them personally. Sure. Yeah. Great answer. So let me ask you this then speak to, uh, obviously when I first met you, but how someone, you know, because not everyone knows, I get you have been you were a building principal at one time before you became an right. AD, if I understand right. But now, I want you to share with our audience your journey with the UIAAA, and then of course, your journey with the NIAAA, which has actually got to be pretty big. So, talk about how you began to be involved and and, and encourage some of those out there to to follow your path. Well, when I was building admin, when I was principal of um, Salt Lake School for the Performing Arts, I was also the assistant principal here at Highland High School, and um, both at the same time. So um, when the athletic director's position came open at Highland, um, I, um, I said, I would love to be athletic director. Now, it meant taking a big pay cut and moving down, um, and I so I left um, as a building admin and I uh, came back down and went back into teaching and had and became the AD and um, it was it was my dream job more than being a building principal or being an assistant principal in the district um, it was it's just exciting in um, because I was back involved in athletics and I could be with it I could fill my grandmother with me my great-grandmother my mother um, and being able to see that the differences that you make in the, in the lives of kids. So uh, at, at my first year as AD, I was called, asked to be on the ADEC committee. 
And um, Boyack called me, Dave Boyack called me and said, your name was given to me. Was out. Of, I'll never forget. I called him back and he was on a golf course talking to me about it. And I said, <laughs> and Kathy Butler was a friend of mine also. And um, so she, I said, what the heck is this ADAC committee? And so she told me, and um, that's the year we were, uh, my East and Highland were with um, Region 5. So we went up uh, north for all of our games. And um, it was really fun to be on the ADEC because I got to meet so many more athletic administrators that way and, and be able to make and make decisions that affected our, um, athletics and, um, and just, and to be with the board. And then that's what started me going to, uh, nationals, um, and to the UI AAA, uh, conferences was because I could, I saw what was available there for learning um, our LTI classes. And um, I, I was so excited about that because there really isn't any other PD for athletic administrators than our LTIs. Um, where else can you get a better um, a, a thing on the law, on sports law than taking Lee Green's classes? Oh, absolutely. And so, um, so, so I served there with ADAC and ran a couple of times for president and uh, didn't make it. And, but now um, since I got my CAA, I have my project done for my CMAA. And my goal is I hope to have that completed before we go to Denver in December um, is to be able to um, have that CMAA. Um, my um, ADs um, are working on their CAAs. Uh, one has them. Uh, Danny Schwamm only needs to take, has 502 to take, which he'll take with us in September, by the way. And yeah, I was going to say, the new AD workshop's coming up in about a month. So that's yeah. the perfect time to take it. So he'll be taking that 502. That's the only class he needs to take his uh, uh, CAA. Skip Lowe is past, it took his last year. Rachel will take hers this year. And Monica French, who had been athletic director years ago here at Highland High School, um, he, she, was um, uh, Monica, of course, did, did never start any of those LTI classes. And so that was um, a, a real uh, goal of mine is that all of us have that, at least our CAAs. And so if my ADs have their CAAs, I need to have my CMAA being um, over them as their supervisor. And, um, and the accreditation is the same as what our national teachers come from. I mean, it, it to me it's just exciting that we have those advances that we're able to do and what does it do for the the I think it helps build our athletic director's confidence in being able to say I have my certified athletic administration um, it also brings I think more um, value on the position in at, at, when we are able to say that we have we have finished those um, certifications well, absolutely. A shout out to the Salt Lake District. I will brag a little bit about the Salt Lake District. Salt Lake District was the actually the first three schools to receive the Quality Program Award. I think you may have, I'm trying to think who was at high. I know Kathy was at East at the time. I know Cece was in your job. Yep. But this has got to be, my goodness, it's over 10 years. I want to say it's maybe closer to to. 13 or 14 years ago, that the three, Salt, the three Salt Lake City School District schools were the first to receive the QPA. And of course, back then, 
I remember seeing binders that were this thick. And I guess I should say three or four inches thick because most people <laughs> won't see this on YouTube. But now it's all electronic. But my goodness, it, I think there was three binders for each school. I mean, it was quite a project. So, so you're to be commended for that, for following along in that in those footsteps. Now, let me ask you, uh, you talked a little bit about accreditation. I know you recently were named to the NIAAA Accreditation Committee. Speak to that a little bit and what that entails and about your history and why that fits so well with, with what you've done in your career. Well, I, I was really excited to, to be asked to, to do that for the Section 7 um, because of having been in a principal um, in a building and also being on accreditation teams for um, the schools and, and in the state of Utah. Um, it, I think that leads me into being able to, uh, as an administrator, to do what I have had training in and being able to do accreditations with, with our schools and um, and so that to me, it was just another extension of my job that I was, I missed as um, not being on those accreditations. And so, um, plus I've gone through accreditation when I was principal and know what it takes to have to get ready for those accreditations. It, and also then once you get to the schools, what do you have to, what we are looking for and specifically, what are we making sure that our schools are, are, are meeting um, in the education of our students? So speak to, uh, this won't put you on the spot, but speak to the NIAAA, who is the only non-mortar organization that's accredited, because mm -hmm. the NIAAA is actually nationally and to Canada and international now. And I remember I was on the board when they first got the accreditation back in 2011. But tell our rank and file ADs, both in Utah and across the nation, what a big deal this is and what well, that means. It's a really big deal because once again, that gives us um, the, the accreditation gives value to what we are trying to do. It gives that we are that we do have things in, in play, that we do have policies, we do have procedures and that we don't take it lightly of, of our athletic directors just running amok, you know, I mean, or that that they are that there are policies and procedures that we follow. Um, that we are, that there are certain levels that we need to meet. And um, to be able to maintain that accreditation, um, we need to be able to stay up there. And that I think it just gives more, uh, our program a, a greater, um, oh, what's the word I wanna say? I keep saying value, but um, it, 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 we have more respect that there way. There you go. It, we have a lot more respect with being on an accredited, being accredited. It's just not an association. It is, you know, it's an actual working, um, like you said, non-mortar mortar, um, entity, but we stay within the parameters and stuff of being able to build uh, a good athletic programs. Very well said. Let me ask you this. What's one common myth about being an athletic director that you would like to debunk? <laughs> that all you do is go to games <laughs> that it's the easiest job anybody could have if you are doing your job correctly you are exhausted if you are doing it the way that uh, you should be if, if if an ad says oh i don't you know I, it's the easiest job in the world they're not doing their job correctly then 
They are not being the event coordinator. They are not making sure their coaches are certified. They're not making sure their their athletes are on register my athlete or, or that they they're 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 not making sure. And one of the things I really am strong about is that we do not have coaches out there that are um, not registered on on my register my coach. That is really strong in our district is that to make sure that we do have all of our coaches that are registered and have done all of their trainings and they are not to be out on the, on the fields or on the courts unless they have done that. So I think that when I hear them say, oh, that was the easiest job I ever had. I thought you didn't do it right then (laughs) because it is probably one of the toughest jobs I've had as being a building athletic director. And, and I think that's why it's important that schools have a full-time athletic um, AD. When I did it, it was halftime, but boy, that was a lot of work. A lot of, lot of oh, work. Yeah. You get come at six o'clock in the morning, leave back at 10, 11 o'clock at night. Exactly. Very well said. What's the favorite part of your job? My job now? Well, uh, I, I'm guessing it's your I, your job now and then because you've already talked about how you miss the students, and I can see that. But yeah, what's the, I guess I guess maybe another way to say it: what's the what's the best part about being an AD? The best part about being an AD uh, as a district AD is that I'm able to work on a district level, and, and have been able to bring more people into. Uh, educating more of our administrators on what's important about athletics. So a couple of years ago, I was given also um, to have the middle school athletics fall under me, but then COVID hit. So we didn't have it. There's a great guy out at uh, Clayton. His name is Lucas Tucker, who is taking that on this year. And he came to our our coaches meeting this morning and uh, with Reed, Um, Anderson that's up at the Clayton Middle School and looking at what we can do to build programs for our feeders so such as track there isn't a program that brings in feeders for track there isn't one for wrestling so how can we get those into our middle school so our kids once they get in ninth grade and come to our high schools are able to just go straight on instead of having to learn how to, to wrestle or learn what it is for track, but they've already got the desire to be able to do it. We've got that with basketball. We've got a feeder, even with volleyball, football. And so um, as a district athletic director, it's being able to see those programs to be able to feed into our high schools and build those for, and for our youth too, um, so that they can feel the love for what we have going for um, that's in athletics for a lifetime, not just for, not just to get them through college, but just that it's a lifetime love. You, you, if well once said. You never let it go. Yeah. I, uh, I'm smiling. Of course, nobody can see this unless they're watching on YouTube, but when you mentioned Clayton, because you probably didn't know this, Clayton Intermediate School was Clayton Junior High back then is when I did my student teaching in 1978, I guess it was maybe. Wow. The spring of and CC Sharman who was at the U at the time was my coordinating teacher when I was, uh, I had a couple of math classes and I, th- I think I had two math classes and four PE classes when I student taught at Clayton. And of course it's been rebuilt now, but it's, uh, Oh yeah kind of a special place in my heart. That's excellent. Well, let me ask you this as we wind this down. If you had a suggestion 
for a new athletic administrator. A new athletic administrator in my book is someone that's between one and four years. If you could give them two pieces of advice, what would those two things be in order for them to be successful? I think the first thing I would advise is that they make sure that they go to any LTI classes that are, you guys offer through the UIAAA and also to attend the national conventions, um, our conferences nationally, um, to be able to network with a lot of people and ones who have been longer at the job has been the, probably the most helpful that I, I had as a brand new AD. And being able to know I can reach out to somebody that's been 20 years in the job um, and be able to help, they, they give me the suggestions or give me some new ideas. Um, so I think the networking is really, really important. When we do our conferences, whether it's our Utah conference or whether it's the national conference, that is a big thing. And I mean, law, you don't, you, we take a law class to, to get our PE degrees, um, but it's only one law class. You go to, you go. I try to go to um, uh, his classes all the time whenever I can into Lee Green's classes because every year it's something new. And, and when he came to Utah and did a, a PD for all of our coaches um, four years ago, coaches walked out of there going, I, I'm not going to coach anymore. <laughs> this yeah, is too exactly. So I think that's one of my suggestions. And the other suggestion is for a new AD is to make sure that you reach out to the other ADs in your region and um, stay in contact with the ADEC rep of your region, because they're the ones that will be able to bring you back from your board of managers, um, uh, uh, things that they had, the principals have talked about. Now, I know that there are other ADEC uh, reps that are, that do the board of managers themselves. But the regions that I've always been in, it's been the principals and one ADEC rep. And sometimes once the principals get back, athletics falls to the wayside because there's always a fire to put it in the building when it mm -hmm. comes to academics. So you may have lost that. So I think it's really important. And, I, and to be involved, be involved with as much as you can, like with ADEC, be involved on committees. Um, doing the scholarship committee has been uh, on, that I've been able to do with Ron Dolphin has been fun because you get to know the kids that have written these um, great essays and um, and then see who wins and have a, know that you're a part of helping them to be able to receive those scholarships. So maybe that was more than two. Yeah, well, that's great. That's a great answer. Let me finish up by asking you this. What questions should I have asked you that I failed to ask you? Yeah, you did. I think you asked all of them <laughs> that I would have. Um, I, my biggest, my biggest thing is, is I, I think that title nine is, is really big and it's important that, um, our young women out there know that, uh, many of us pioneers have moved a lot of mountains for them and helped them to be able to, so that they have those opportunities they have now and to be able to go and reach for what they want. I, I, I'm in a male dominant field, even in accounting. When I was an accountant, I was a male dominant field. And it's fabulous that way because you are making roadways for, for young women behind us that um, are opening doors for them. 
Couldn't have said it better myself. That wraps it up for another edition of the UI Triple Connection. Once again, our guest today has been Missy Mackie Widers, CAA, the Athletic Director of the Salt Lake City School. Thanks for being on, Missy. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you. And for our listeners, tune in next week for another edition of the UI Triple Connection. Thank you.